Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it is a showcase for the area's largest industry and the largest community gathering of the year. The Hancock County Fair is an annual tradition not to be missed. And our broadcast from opening day of the Hancock County Fair is made possible by Legacy Farmers Cooperative, one of the premier sponsors of the fair. Also coming up this morning, it's sadly ironic that as American farmers feed the world, millions of Americans go hungry. Celebrating agriculture and addressing food insecurity is the mission of the Here's to the Farmer campaign. We'll learn more. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. How ironic is this? It is Eat Outside Day, which I think everybody will be doing here today at the County Fair. Eat Outside Day. It is also National Trail Mix Day. National We Love Memoirs Day. Love Litigating Lawyers Day. <laughs> and it is Matchmaker Day today. So celebrate however you see fit. Reasons to celebrate today. So I saw this on the uh, Newswire, and I thought this is a perfect example of the unintended consequences of our actions. You hear that old saying that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, and sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we don't think about the uh, reactions that we have when we take action. Case in point. In New Jersey, some supermarkets are experiencing an unintended consequence of the state's strict plastic bag ban that went into effect this past spring. In New Jersey, supermarkets are no longer allowed to hand out plastic bags. You've got to, and I think they can still do paper bags, but they charge for those, and so the idea is to encourage people to bring in their uh, reusable bags and so on. But for those who are not or have forgotten their reusable bags, uh, the uh, customers are walking off with the hard plastic hand baskets that people use while they're shopping in stores. And mostly it's not when you go and load up your cart on your weekly grocery trip. It's when you kind of pop into the store for a couple, three things real quick. And it's not... You know, you don't plan it out, so you don't bring in your reusable bag with you. And so people are taking the hard plastic hand baskets. <laughs> the CEO of Food Circus Supermarkets in New Jersey said they're just disappearing. I may actually have to just do away with them because I can't afford to keep replacing them. <laughs> New Jersey passed the strictest ban strictest plastic bag ban in the country, say that five times fast, outlawing not only all plastic bags, except those used for fresh vegetables, deli meat, and baked goods, but in New Jersey, they've actually outlawed paper bags, too. Customers must bring their own bags or buy a reusable one at the checkout. The president and CEO of the New Jersey Food Council, the trade group representing the state's grocers, says in a statement, quote, we view this as a an unintended consequence of the new state law. We think in most cases people simply are forgetting to bring them back. They take them, they just forget to bring them back. It is a case of unintended consequences sometimes. Um, and here's another story along those same lines. 
that I thought was kind of interesting that I happened across on the Newswire this morning. And it's really amazing science, but again, it's one of those situations where are we really thinking this through? Just because we can do something, does that mean we should? Scientists in Spain have successfully mapped the genome of the immortal jellyfish. Scientific name T. Uh, Dorney. T. Dorney. Uh, it is a jellyfish that can go from its mature state back to its juvenile state and back again over and over and over. It cycles through. It's immortal, this jellyfish. Uh, and they found that this particular immortal jellyfish was found to have more genes associated with repairing DNA. It can repair its own DNA. And they say this could have real-life implications on reversing the aging process for human beings. The lead author of the study, marine biologist Maria Pascal Torner, or Tornay, I don't know. Anyway, the lead author of the study, marine biologist, said that studying this animal could would we call jellyfish an animal i guess we would anyway uh studying the jellyfish could help scientists understand how and why aging happens additionally the team discovered that the jellyfish has a mutation that pre- uh, prevents uh, prevents it from getting um i what is it it says prevents Something here from getting shorter, which is what happens in human bodies as we get older. Older. What is that? Anyway, I've never seen that word before. I don't even know how to pronounce it. That's something in our body from aging. It has a similar... Anyway, I guess the long and short of it is it has similarities to human aging. And here I'm thinking, okay, so maybe scientists have uncovered the magical fountain of youth in restructuring our DNA... And who knows, maybe out of this, someday, people can live forever. But would that really be a good thing? I mean, think about it. We can't feed or house or clothe all the people we have on the planet now. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I don't want to die. I don't think anyone wants to die. But we could have a major... We have a population problem now. Imagine if all of the people on the planet now didn't die and we just kept adding to... Again... It sounds like a good idea on the surface, but when you really think it through, this could be rather problematic. I don't know it's a good thing. No. Uh, yet another example of just because we can do it, does that mean we should? A startup company in Oakland has developed a robot that can apply false eyelashes. <laughs> Loom, they call it, which operates... Or Loom is the name of the company. Uh, the official name of the device is called Wink Robotics. They just received a round of funding from several groups, including Ulta Beauty, the beauty care, uh, beauty product company. The robots are purported to be able to apply permanent lash extensions quickly and safely. <laughs> Have we reached critical mass on robotics? I mean, do we really, do we really need a robot to apply our fake eyelashes. Apparently so. Anyway. A couple of other uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, to get to Wednesday morning started here. 
As we mentioned, it is Eat Outside Day today, which a lot of folks will be doing, be uh, eating here at the fair. No shortage of food options at the fair. And, I mean, let's be honest, some of them are a little pricey. That's one of the things when you come to the fair, you know that the food is going to be a bit pricey. I mean, it's yummy, but you're going to pay for it. Well, I'll tell you what, that's nothing. They got nothing on this. Would you pay $17 for a smoothie? Uh, the Strawberry Glaze Skin Smoothie is going viral. It is uh, sold at a... I guess it's sold at a store, what is it, New York or something, and uh, consists of wellness-supporting ingredients. I guess celebrities have been going gaga over this, and celebrities can afford $17 for a smoothie, but I don't know about Joe Average here. It c- contains wellness-supporting ingredients such as dates, collagen, sea moss, coconut cream, and strawberries uh, to mask the taste of the sea moss, I would imagine. Uh, if you don't see yourself spending that much on a smoothie, there are DIY recipes that have been popping up on social media. You'll need almond milk, strawberries, vanilla, vanilla collagen, hy- hyaluronic acid, coconut cream, sea moss gel. <laughs> Just doesn't sound appetizing. Avocado, maple syrup, dates, and strawberry glaze to rec- recreate the smoothie at home. So. So when you're uh, buying your overpriced hot dog on a stick here at the Hancock County Fair, remember, $17 for a smoothie. So there's that. And how about this? This may be the best news of the day. And more, uh, another sure sign that life is getting back to normal after the pandemic. Gravy wrestling is back. Yes, you heard right. I said gravy wrestling is back. Thank the Lord. After being canceled for the past two years due to COVID-19, the 12th annual World Gravy Wrestling Championships were held earlier this week in Rosendale, Lancashire, England at the Rosenbowl Pub. The uh, competition has wrestlers Fight in pools of gravy for two minutes at a time. Points are scored for the best outfit, the best entertainment value, and wrestling ability. (laughs) It's interesting that wrestling ability is actually third on the list. (laughs) People come in fancy dress, men and ladies, and then they wrestle in gravy and get eliminated as the day goes on, according to Carol Lowe. Um who is, I guess, the proprietor of the Rosenbowl Pub there in Lancashire, England. In case you're wondering, Lloyd Clarkson and Imogen Young won the men's and women's events, respectively, this year. So the 12th Annual World Gravy Wrestling Championships are in the books. Thank goodness the gravy wrestling is back. Life is truly now back to normal. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sun expected today along with a high of 81. Skies will be clear tonight, low of 58. 
The Hancock County Metric Drug Task Force, along with the Finley Police Department Emergency Response Team, executed a search warrant at a Finley residence. Police say the search in the 200 block of Western Avenue yielded methamphetamine, prescription pills, and a large amount of drug paraphernalia. Police say the evidence obtained substantiated the ongoing investigation into that residence for suspected drug possession and drug trafficking. Police identified the suspect as a 26-year-old from Finley. Get more on the website. Two people were killed as severe storms rolled across northwest Ohio on Monday. One person died when a tree fell on her. The woman was crushed by a falling tree on Beverly Drive. A strong line of thunderstorms moved through that area between 6 and 6.30 p.m. Toledo Fire Chief Allison Armstrong confirmed the woman's death at the scene. Also Monday, a 14-year-old girl was electrocuted and died in Monroe, Michigan after touching downed electrical lines. Monroe is just across the Ohio state line in Michigan and about 20 miles from Toledo. Tracy Townsend, ONN News. It's time for the 2022 edition of the Hancock County Fair in Finley. Fair President Jeff Cole recommends buying your tickets online before you get to the gate. If you've got your ticket bought ahead of time, you'll be able to walk through the gate almost without uh, slowing down. Tickets are the same price whether you buy them online or at the gate. The fair is underway now and runs through Monday, which is Labor Day. Get more on this year's Hancock County Fair on the website. The Ohio State football Buckeyes open their season at home this weekend, and police and university officials are reminding fans to watch out for ticket scams. If you plan to go to an Ohio State football game this season, watch out for the scammers. They're back. Police on campus say if you're looking for tickets, make sure you buy them from verified sites such as Ticketmaster or the Ohio State Buckeyes app. Both options are verified resale ticket options. The Buckeyes and Irish are set to kick off at 7.30 Saturday night in the Horseshoe. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. It is opening day of the Hancock County Fair, a showcase for the area's largest industry as we... We're saying a little bit early, and of course, the largest community gathering of the year, the Hancock County Fair, an annual tradition not to be missed, and Hancock County Fair President Jeff Cole is with us here this morning, and uh, what a start. Well, I believe you're exactly right. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? We had a great opening ceremonies last night, so cut the ribbon, we're ready to go. Yeah, Uh, and everything... I love, and I've said this before, I love being out here early in the morning, first thing, because you see the fairgrounds come to life, and I think every kid in Hancock County is here. Well, there's that very well could be. That very well could be. Well, we're not taking responsibility for that or anything, but yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of kids here, for sure. A lot of, uh, lot of kids ready to, ready to go. Some of the shows are already underway. You mentioned the official opening ceremonies were held last night, um, and what a great way to kick off the fair. Great way to kick off the fair. We, uh, of course, we cut the ribbon to open the fair. We uh, crowned our royalty last night. Congratulations to those folks. We gave out a couple of scholarships, the first uh, Hancock County Ag Society scholarship, so we gave those out to a couple of recipients last night. Uh, we honored uh, Dave Thomas and Nicole Hoffman, who have been in our office staff for the previous 15 years uh, and dedicated a couple of trees to them. So, yeah, it was a really nice night. So let's talk a little bit about um, 
getting the fair underway. The gates are open. Uh, we talked about this uh, a few days ago, but just to remind folks, uh, talk a little bit out of, uh, about admission. There are a couple of changes, gates that are taking cash, those that are not, so on and so forth. So let's get into some of the nuts and bolts here. All right, let's knock that out quick. So first of all, folks, you can buy your tickets online. It's the same price as going to be at the gate. We're absorbing the ticket fees. So I would encourage you to get online and buy your tickets online. You'll get a QR code. We'll scan you at the gate. You can walk in without slowing down hardly at all. Uh, regarding the cash gates, Chris, I appreciate you bringing that up. So we're limiting our cash gates to our two south gates here off of Fishlock. So for 90% of you who come to the fair, those are the gates you come in. We still are accepting cash there, cash transactions there. But the gates at Sandusky Street and the gate at Wyandotte Street uh, will not accept cash. You'll need to have a card to do a transaction there if, if you don't have your ticket bought pre-sale. Again, that's the easiest way. And uh, admission is $10 to the fair, right? $10 for adults, $5 for youth. That would be anyone 10 to 17. And then every day, every day is senior day at $5. And a couple of specials for later in the week on, uh, well, tomorrow and Friday. Tomorrow and Friday. It's not so late anymore, is it, Chris? Thursday, Thursday and Friday. Oh, wait a minute. T- tomorrow is Thursday. <laughs> yeah, so Thursday is, uh, again, now the, the, these two specials, you absolutely have to get your ticket online. You cannot come to the gate and get these. You have to go online and get these tickets um, as you as either at home or as you approach approach the gate. But uh, tomorrow, Thursday, if you can get here by 3 o'clock with one of those tickets, you can get in for free. Free, in by 3 for free on Thursday. And on Friday, it's in by 5 p.m. for $5. So that's half price for those. So those of you who uh, uh, work in the Finley area and uh, want to come to the fair to get your lunch, those are two good days to do that. And uh, then you can uh, get stamped and come back later on. That's correct. Anytime, anytime you come to the fair, if you need to leave to take care of some business, you can get stamped and, and, and then you can get back in. So, and uh, tomorrow also, uh, BOGO, buy one, get one on the uh, fair or on the uh, Midway uh, wristbands as well. That's right, right, wristbands. They are $25 uh, every day. And, uh, but uh, tomorrow, Thursday, it is buy one, get one free, BOGO. So those are kind of the details on admission. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, week ahead here. A lot of things going on here at the fair and uh, a lot of uh, stuff that we're familiar with, some of the old tried and true, and then some new things as well. A lot of tried and true. So tonight is uh, uh, both uh, donkey race night and uh, the county band show. So we bring and dodgeball too. By the way, it says here I did not know that we were doing dodgeball. Dodgeball, yeah. So after we clear the ring with the donkey race, uh, so this is something that always happened in the back lot or in the show arena after hours, and we've made it. We've made it a legitimate so, event. So it's not necessarily new, just kind of legitimized That's a little right. bit. That's right. We're making it a legitimate event, but it's a lot of fun. The kids uh, have a lot of fun uh, dodgeball, and it's a. Uh, I think it's all because of the movie they made a few years ago. But uh, There's also harness racing today. I don't want to forget to mention that. Tomorrow is calf scramble and harness racing in the evening. Uh, Friday night is drag racing. 
Saturday, Saturday, uh, we have moved the demo derby from Sunday afternoon to Saturday evening, so make that change. And then um, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is uh, the tractor pull. Starts at noon. The NTPA starts at 7, I think, 6.30 or 7. So, um, you know, that's an all-day event, really, at the south track for the tractor pull. And... Uh one of the other things happening today, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, too, the uh, baked goods auction. So you don't want to miss that at uh, 5 o'clock. You're going to be uh, lining up to uh, get the goodies, the baked, uh, baked goods. And that brings to mind, you know, we talk about the uh, kids and all of their uh, animals and their projects that they have here at the fair. I mean, what would the fair be without the uh, open class and everything, you know, that people do, whether it's baked goods, whether it's uh, arts and crafts, hobbies, uh, photography, uh, all of that. The fair would not be complete without that. That's right. That's right. And I'll, just just for everybody's fair warning, if you plan on buying the Grand Champion Raspberry Pi today, you better bring the money because that's what I always go after. And I've uh, I've got a big role. I'm going to get that today. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, we actually, and I've been to like 40 fairs this year, Chris. And and our um, our what we call the Grange Building, but where all the home goods and uh, the uh, collections and the quilting and the garden and uh, photography, all those exhibits in there, we have one of the best that I've seen in the state of Ohio, Michigan, or Indiana. So uh, uh, we're really proud of that and, and really appreciate those who continue to exhibit in there. And while we are talking about the exhibitors, uh, both youth and adults, who uh, participate in the fair, Obviously, couldn't pull this off without all of the help uh, in terms of your staff and volunteers who make the fair happen each year. Well, that's exactly right. It's a com- it's absolutely almost 100% a volunteer workforce here. The board members, the junior fair board members, all those folks who volunteer as superintendents and just uh, friends of the fair. Uh, we appreciate you all. We really only have about four people on staff that we <laughs> would actually consider paid employees. So so this whole thing happens with a lot of volunteer help, and we appreciate everybody. And not just the six-day run of the fair in the lead-up to the fair. Uh, after everything is done on Monday, they'll be back here to uh, clean it all up. And so, I mean, this is more than just a six-day event for so many people. That's that's well, that's exactly right. In fact, you know, right after the fair, we'll start working on our plans for next year's fair. But we'll also be working on the, all the things that we do the other 51 weeks of the year as well. And uh, we're going to talk with you more about that uh, as we go along. We'll be back here again tomorrow and Friday. A uh, lot to do and a lot to see. A lot happening here at the Hancock County Fair. You got another minute? I got sure. Sure. So a presentation. A presentation for Chris Oak. So in honor of your in honor of your 20 years. Good mornings. And the unfortunate accident that happened in your studio the last time I was with you, I'd like to present you a bicentennial commemorative plate that would be great on display in your studio. Awesome. Uh, for those who don't know, and I've got I've to tell the story because it actually happened off the air. After Jeff was uh, in the studio with us uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, one of the uh, we had a commemorative plate from, uh, the, from the bicentennial year that Findlay put out, um, and uh, we had it uh, sitting on one of the shelves. And he backed his chair into it, and the plate fell. And I think that had as much to do with us because of the way it was displayed. But thank you very much. I certainly appreciate that. Live on location for day number one of the Hancock County Fair. 
Officially, things don't get underway until about 8 o'clock. That's when the uh, first shows get underway. That would be the Junior Fair Swine Show and the Junior Fair Light and Draft Horse Show. Those are the first ones up on day number one. But already, we start to see things coming to life here at the Hancock County Fairgrounds. Uh, Seeing people uh, out and about, getting ready to open the uh, food booths and uh, all of those things and we see uh, some kids uh, out already there was a uh, there was somebody over there watching their cow uh, <laughs> a little bit earlier Chad Rosebrook is here uh, as we mentioned our broadcast from the Hancock County Fair is made possible by the folks at Legacy Farmers Co-op in fact I don't want to say that the fair couldn't happen without the support of Legacy Farmers Co-op but it would certainly look a lot different because you are just about everywhere out here yeah, that's right, Chris. We're uh, really proud to support the kids uh, here at the fair uh, and everything that goes on, along with all the other great uh, ag businesses and other businesses in the Hancock County area, for sure. Now, for those, this is going to be a dumb question for those who know the farm industry uh, in Hancock County, for, but for those who are not intimately familiar, uh, us city folk, as we say, um, what, what exactly does the cooperative do explain kind of your role in the ag industry yeah so where we fit in with the ag industry uh we 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 cover a lot of things as it relates to the farmer themselves uh we provide the seed the chemical the fertilizer uh even the fuel that goes in their tractor we supply that to the farmers Uh, and then after the crop is produced uh, and farmers harvest it, we also provide grain marketing services for those same farmers and take that grain in in one of our elevators uh, and store it until the market says it's time to ship back out. So uh, we really cover the farmer from one end to the other as far as it relates to their business. So literally everything from the planting to the harvesting and even the uh, marketing of the uh, product. Um, and then the same thing on the uh, livestock side as well? Yeah, that's right. So we do do a feed business as well, uh, and also out of our retail store up in the, up here in Finley on 236. Uh, so we are involved in the feed side as well. And that's what I was going to mention. You are uh, not just a, a business that caters to the ag industry, although that obviously is your bread and butter. Uh, certainly just the community at large can take advantage of uh, much of what you do. That's exactly right. So yes, we uh, we do. Uh, you know, the, the farmer is definitely uh, where we make our, our our living, so to speak. Uh, but also to uh, our retail store over on 236, the Legacy Lawn and Pet. Uh, we do service uh, small animals. You know, cats, dogs, uh, anything from animal food, pet food, uh, toys, stuff for your yard. Uh, and also to our, our gas stations are open to the public as well, 24/7. Uh, all you need is a credit card or a Legacy Fuel card to use those. Um, because you are so involved in, in agriculture, let me ask you, it does seem as though this has been a, a pretty good year for farmers. Um, you know, how would you uh, judge this year as composed to as compared to some of the others in recent memory? Yeah, so I, you know the the crop's not out of the field yet, but uh, but it's so far, you know, I would say it is shaping up to be a pretty good year despite its challenges. You know, this this year has been really challenging, uh, whether you're looking at grain markets or fertilizer markets and the high cost of inputs, uh, but also too the weather this year has not been uh, the easiest to deal with either. We got a late start; our crop was planted pretty late uh, here here in Hancock County, and uh, luckily here the throughout the month of July and also the month of August, we've had some really good weather. 
uh, to catch this crop up, and it looks like we're some some good potential out there. It's been very interesting weather-wise because we got all of the hot weather really early in the season, and then it sort of uh, leveled off, and the, it seems like we got the dog days earlier. To what extent does that? I know you know rain, timely rainfall is very important for the crops. To what extent does the uh, the heat distribution, I guess, for lack of a better term, impact that? Yeah, so, you know, just like you said, our, our, our hot weather came early in the summer, uh, which was good. You know, really, you want to try to avoid being overly hot and overly dry during corn pollination, uh, which, we, you know, typically would be around July 10th or so. Uh, this year, it was a little later than that because of our crop being planted late, and we were cooler and wetter, which, which actually is a good thing. Uh, and, and we've maintained a, a kind of a wetter stance here throughout August, which is good for our beans also to help, uh, help those produce a lot of pods and hopefully fill a lot of pods with a lot of beans. And so much, I mean, we talk about the conditions in Hancock County, but as you well know, uh, it, a lot of the success of local farmers depends on what happens elsewhere around the country and around the world, and obviously there have been a number of challenges there uh, that impact uh, the, how well local farmers do. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, whether you're looking within the United States, there, there's there's all kinds of different uh, weather stories to play out. Uh, like right now in the in the in the Delta near uh, you know, Louisiana and such, there's been a lot of rain, and they haven't been able to get their crop out of the field. And I think that's kept our grain prices supported here over the last couple of weeks because we don't have that rush of new crop hitting the export market down there like we normally would. So there's that's just one example of, of many, many things we're paying attention to in the grain market. How much does the global uh, uh, situation play into what we see even all the way down to the local uh, markets? Yeah, it, it matters a great bit. So, you know, first off, China buys, you know, six out of every ten bushels of soybeans produced in the United States and ends up in China. So uh, we pay attention to their economy quite a bit, and, and they've been having a, a tough go with some more COVID closures and those kind of things. Might be eroding some bean demand there. Uh, but also, too, the war in Ukraine with Russia has, has greatly impacted our markets. And then also we, we look at South American weather quite a bit because they compete with the United States in production. So... Some of those things, you know, someone other, someone else's misfortune uh, will help us locally. Uh, it's kind of the reality of the situation. Is that maybe the saving grace you mentioned, the uh, higher input costs? Farmers, like everybody else, have been dealing with inflation and higher prices across the board. Is that maybe a bit of the saving grace on that? Yeah, it definitely doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't hurt. You know, our our input prices are up versus where they were last year, but also too our grain prices are higher than where they were a year ago too. Uh, so you know, it is kind of helping to balance it all out. But as I said, the, the crop isn't out of the field yet, so uh, we're not without some risk here yet. But uh, certainly, looking like we have some potential out there. So I bring all of this up because, again, you know, the, the Hancock County Fair is first and foremost a showcase of agriculture. And we talk about agriculture uh, issues and, and so on. And there's so much that is beyond the control of the individual farmer. I mean, you can only control your controllables. And I don't know of any other industry where so much is beyond your control. Yeah, that's right. You know, we really can't control the markets, despite what some people might might think or want. Uh, we also can't control the weather, and those are, are two big factors that go into, you know, a, a farmer's livelihood and also a lot of uh, ag businesses in Hancock County as well. You're just now clearing out uh, last year's uh, grains and stuff, right? 
Yeah, that's right. So it's, uh, you know, grain merchandising and grain marketing is a year-round uh, endeavor, and we are still shipping out last year's crop. Um, I'm happy to say that we've, we've loaded our last uh, really big unit train uh, last week, and now we've got kind of the bin bottoms uh, to put together and get those moved out as well. So we're, we're making room for fall. I, I find this fascinating because I had no idea that it, it would take uh, an entire year to uh, ship out all of what is harvest this year. You'll still be shipping out this time next year. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, every year is a little bit different. Uh, you know, our, our role as a, as a grain elevator, as a country elevator, is to store the crop until the market says it's time for it to, to be delivered. So that's really our, our role. And every year is a little bit different on timing, on, on when the market says it wants to crop. Uh, but logistics has been a challenge for us this year, just like any other industry, uh, especially the railroad logistics has been a challenge. And it's, it has caused uh, us to be a little slower moving last year's crop out than what we would like. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to be ready for this fall, no, no doubt. And it is good that you've got plenty of room for this year's harvest, because I remember a few years ago, that was the issue, uh, that you had new grain coming in and nowhere to store it. Yeah, that's right. In 2018, we had a really large crop here locally. And, and again, that was a year that had its own logistical challenges. And there was grain that had to be piled outside on the ground. And that's, you know, not always a, a great, great thing. Uh, grains are perishable. Like storing anything out on the ground. I mean, you know, at your house, if you've ever had to store mulch uh, outside for any length of time, you know what happens. Yeah, that's right. You know, grains are a perishable commodity like anything else, so uh, it's not great to have it outside in the elements. So, But, uh, yeah, so this year we're going to have uh, more space in our elevators than we've had in a long time, and that's good because it looks like this crop uh, could be a big one. We were talking a little bit earlier about that, the fact that uh, things, there are good signs, but you really won't know until those uh, uh, grain, sh- grain starts coming into the elevator, right? Yeah, that's right. Once the combines hit the field, then we'll really know uh, what we have out there. But uh, our, our weather here in July and August has been pretty ideal. Um, and and our, the only problem is our crop was planted pretty late, and there's a lot of variability out there. So it's really tough to gauge a crop when there's so much variability uh, between, even within, even within a field, there's good spots and bad spots and, and everything in between. So it's really hard to tell right now. But uh, here in about a month, once the combines hit the field, we'll know what we have. Exciting time for the ag industry uh, when we come up on harvest time. Yeah, that's right. A lot of us in industry really, really live for spring planting and fall harvest time. And, and me being in the grain side of things, I really, really live for fall harvest. It's an exciting time, as you mentioned, uh, and also a very busy time. You know, there's going to be a lot of heavy machinery on the roads, semi trucks on the roads. Uh, so not only that, you got back to school happening with school buses back on the roads. So it's 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 a busy time on our roadways. So you know, everybody just take a little extra time in the mornings to get to where you need to be, yeah, and, let, and let those machines get down the road. Yeah. No question. Um, as we've been saying, you know, Legacy Farmers Cooperative, uh, farmers right there in the name, that is primarily what you do, but you also have uh, the uh, lawn and, and pet store uh, where you sell to the uh, general public. And that's the other thing. We're coming up on this time of year, uh, fall lawn care. And uh, not only do you have everything that folks will need, uh, you have the expertise uh, to help folks uh, understand what they need and why. Yeah, that's exactly right, Chris. Uh, so 
fall lawn care season is here and uh, time to do some fall fertilizer applications or also maybe some fall spraying. You know, we always sell Trimet Classic there to help take care of those dandelions. And uh, the fall is definitely the time to spray for those. And I'm not going to act like the expert because I'm not, but uh, our, our retail store manager, Matt McGuire, and his staff uh, can certainly help you out with anything you need with your, with your yard. The uh, long and short of it, I'm not an expert either, but I do know uh, from talking with folks uh, in the past, one of the things that I do know is that a lot of the things that people will typically do in the spring, they really should be doing in the fall. So uh, it's worth dropping in to find out exactly what you should be doing with your lawn because some folks might be surprised. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, by fertilizing it in the fall here and taking care of those weeds in the fall, it really just helps that yard get a head start next spring when it comes out of dormancy and, and gets it up and going. So, yeah, our folks at the at Legacy Lawn and Pet on 236 north of Finley can help you out with that. Again, uh, Chad Rosebrook with uh, Legacy Farmers Cooperative with uh, Leg- Legacy Farmers Cooperative with us this morning. I've been out here for too uh, long early in the morning. I can't talk anymore. Chad, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. <laughs> a team of monkey hunters in Japan. <laughs> I just love this story that it starts with those, with those words. That line, a team of monkey hunters in Japan accidentally shot a woman with a tranquilizer in Fuji City. (laughs) Witnesses apparently saw a monkey near the Fujikawa station and municipal employees, the monkey hunters, were dispatched to take care of it. Because monkeys are a nuisance, can be a nuisance uh, in Japan and uh, other parts of Asia. And so they uh, wanted to go and and capture the monkey and take it. It's kind of like gators in Florida. You know, they can show up anywhere and they can be a nuisance, so they got to relocate them and all of that. So unfortunately, though, the monkey hunters uh, were talking with one lady who was at the station asking where she saw the monkey when they accidentally accidentally shot her with a tranquilizer. (laughs) Uh, Officials state the hunters, the monkey hunters' fingers slipped and the incident will be investigated. The woman fell asleep almost immediately and was brought to a local hospital. She woke up about an hour later. The monkey remains on the loose. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> the monkey remains on the loose. I'm guessing the monkey was probably watching from somewhere saying, Man, these humans are stupid. <laughs> Elsewhere in the broken news, you know the saying that you can't win the lottery if you don't play. Well, apparently you can. Or at least you can win the lottery if you don't know you are playing. A Michigan man in Oakland County found himself $100,000 richer without even realizing that he had even entered the lottery. Uh, The man was using the lottery app to scan his non-winning tickets and didn't realize according to the fine print of those tickets, that he had been entered into another giveaway. He then received an email letting him know he had won a hundred grand in the drawing on August 17th. The anonymous man then called into the lottery to confirm his winnings. 
And uh, he said, that's when I discovered that scanning the tickets had entered me in the drawing. I mean, he got this email out of the blue, didn't realize he was entered in the drawing, so he thought, this has got to be a scam. He called the lottery, you know, to confirm it just because, I mean, if you get an email from the lottery purporting that you won $100,000, you'd follow up, even if you thought it was a scam. And that's what happened. He called, and it turned out, lo and behold, it's actually real. He said, it was a surprise. <laughs> I would say... That'd be an understatement. So it turns out you can win the lottery without playing. Hmm. Learn something new every day, I guess. Uh, let's see here. This out of uh, Tennessee, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, to be specific. One person suffered minor injuries after a semi-truck spilled Alfredo sauce on Interstate 55. Near McLemore Avenue on Tuesday afternoon, 18-wheeler hauling Alfredo sauce hit a retaining wall, spilling the sauce all over the freeway and causing a multi-vehicle crash. Police say a woman involved in the accident was taken to a hospital with non-critical injuries. As of late Tuesday night, crews were still working to clean up the sauce. I saw a photo of this. You talk about a mess. Oh, my goodness. Alfredo sauce all over the highway. And you know what this means now. There'll be a shortage of Alfredo sauce. Gonna be in trouble. Elsewhere in the broken news, could you throw... You know, axe throwing has become a real popular thing uh, these days. But could you throw an axe while pole dancing? An Irish woman is the newly minted axe-throwing champion and credits pole dancing for turning her into a winner. Ciola McGowan uh, won the World Double-Bit Axe-Throwing Championship in Canada. She's 31 years old, said she hoped to score the title by the time she was 35, so she reached her lifelong goal. She has previously competed in championships held in Scotland, Germany, and Sweden, so she's gone all over the world in her quest to become an axe-throwing champion. Uh, she is a member of the Wicklow Axe Throwers Group and says she loves the axe throwing community, but her passion is working as a pole dancer. But just for fun. She doesn't do it professionally. She does this for fun as well. She said, pole dancing helps me center. It helps me work on my balance. And it helps me work on my core. It's a core workout. The pole dancing community is actually very similar to the axe throwing community where you've got that love, camaraderie, and support, she said. And now that she is a world champ, she hopes to inspire more women to get into throwing axes and pole dancing. <laughs> she says a lot of the women out there throw just as well, if not better, than most of the men in the competition. Well, maybe they should take up pole dancing. I don't know if that's... Uh, and finally, in the uh, broken news, <clears throat> we'll get this one here. This one is actually a cool story, not a dumb story or anything, just a, a fascinating story. Uh, researchers at the University of Bristol have found that dolphins... Now, let me, let me preface this. You know that cooperation between groups of people, alliances of people is a hallmark of human civilization. But researchers at the University of Bristol have found that dolphins actually form the largest and most intricate social networks in the animal kingdom. 
To what end, you might ask? Well, to help males court females. Yes, it turns out, what I'm saying is, it turns out, according to research, that dolphins, even dolphins, need a wingman sometimes. <laughs> Besides humans, study authors report that male bottlenose dolphins form the largest multi-level alliance network observed by humans. The uh, team collaborated with scientists from the University of Zurich and the University of Massachusetts on this project. They use both association and cons- uh, uh, court, uh, consortship data, data to model the structure of alliances among a group of adult male Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphins in Western Australia. The analysis revealed that these dolphins form alliances of males working together to cooperative, cooperatively pursue mating relationships with individual females. <laughs> the, the bottlenose dolphins basically go bar hopping with a wingman. That's that's what they discovered. That's the long and short of it there. Amazing stuff. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. <laughs> this update on the odd and unusual side of the news. Well, somebody had to study it, right? This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. Well, it is a sad fact that 38 million people in this country face hunger, and that includes 12 million children. So to raise uh, awareness, you never raise enough awareness uh, of this issue of food insecurity uh, and to do what we can to ensure uh, Americans have access to uh, healthy food and plenty of food, uh, all while thanking all of the ones who work so hard to provide it for us, this is where country music superstar Luke Bryan, along with Bayer, Kroger, and the Here's to the Farmer campaign come in. And joining us this morning is uh, Brian Leak with the Bear Crop Science Division. Um, talk, first of all, uh, you know, again, we mentioned some of the numbers. Talk about how big of an issue hunger and food insecurity is, uh, which is really mind-boggling in a country as rich as the United States. Chris, thanks for having me. Uh, you're exactly right. I think there's maybe the perception that, that hunger doesn't exist or, or exists prevalently in the U.S., but it's just not, unfortunately, it's, it's not true. Um, you mentioned the 38 million people, including 12 million children. Um, we also know that rural communities are disproportionately affected. 90% of the counties with the highest food insecurity rates are in, in rural America. And you know, the, uh, a recent survey actually showed that 71% of Americans overall are at least to some degree concerned about food shortages and, um, you know, getting access to nutritious food. So it is, it is something that we, I think, often think about as, global, as a global problem, mm-hmm. but it's, it's an issue that we face in the U.S. as well. 
And of course, as we know, the uh, pandemic in many ways uh, exacerbated that problem and uh, inflation has also added to it. So we have uh, certain geopolitical uh, and, and other factors that weigh into this as well. But talk about this uh, partnership and this commitment, as we mentioned, Bayer, Kroger, Luke Bryan uh, signing on uh, for this uh, commitment to celebrate America's farmers while at the same time fighting hunger. As part of Bear's vision overall, uh, which is help for all, hunger for none, we've uh, invested in this partnership. You mentioned it with Luke Bryan, with Kroger, with Feeding America. And what this really does is it does two things. First, it raises awareness around the topic of food insecurity and hunger across the U.S. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we have these fantastic partnerships that are able to amplify that, that content and that, and that topic on their social media platforms and through their communications divisions. But also, we're doing something about it. We created a hashtag, Here's to the Farmer, which will, once shared via social media, will trigger a um, one meal being provided to Feeding America by Bear. So we are committed through, from now through October 31st to provide up to a million meals and to date, this program has provided Feeding America more than 5 million meals that they can disperse via their network of food banks nationwide. So that actually uh, kind of touches on the next question that I was going to ask you. Talk about the goals of the program. Uh, the next logical question is how, how it works and who it uh, is looking to help. So we're really, through the partnership, uh, looking to make an impact wherever we can. And our partner, Feeding America, by, by uh, partnering with them and leveraging their expansive networks, we're able to meet food insecurity and meet hunger where it, where it is most prevalent. Mm-hmm. And um, by partnering with that group, they're able to identify the need uh, where it's most, most dire and then, um, of course, provide that healthy, nutritious food in those areas. And what we're asking folks to do is go out, use that hashtag, here's to the farmer, share it on social media, and uh, enable us to uh, provide one meal to Feeding America. It is something we all can do uh, that will ultimately make a difference, make a dent in this problem. It's not the entire solution, but it is something we can all do to help make a difference. Uh, Again, Brian Leak is with the Bear Crop Science Division talking about the Here's to the Farmer campaign. And where do we get more information? To learn more about this initiative, um, I encourage folks to visit their local Kroger to share the hashtag Here's to the Farmer on the social media platform of their choice. Uh, visit us at fair.us backslash here's to the farmer or check us out on our on our um, social media handles at fair us great stuff we are going to link it up on our webpage too so encourage folks to check it out brian thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it chris thanks again for the time and support And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we have more from the Hancock County Fair and the one final family adventure of the summer ahead of the Labor Day weekend. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.